Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. Well, good morning, everybody. We are here to get started right now. Let's go ahead and dive in today. We'll start off with uh, the book of Exodus, chapter 14. We're going to wrap up our series today, um, and we're talking about our miracle misconceptions. And and, uh, if you haven't uh, been able to be with us or you're watching online and missed some, you can go back on Facebook and catch uh, catch up on what we're talking about. So today, uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into Exodus 14. This comes from a conversation I had with a friend a few weeks ago. But let's go ahead and dive into Exodus 14. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may turn and camp between Migdal and the sea, the opposite of Baal. And you shall camp before the sea, camp it before the sea. For Pharaoh will say, the children of Israel are bewildered in the land, and the wilderness has closed them in. Father God, we just thank you that this day you're speaking to us. That God, as we listen to your word, that you make it uh, applicable to our lives. God, I just thank you that as we dive into this, that that not just be a history lesson. Let it not just be a study of words on pages, but God, let it be a study of our lives to be what you've called us to be do what you've called us to do. Ultimately, God, to, to bring a light into a very dark world today. And I just thank you that as we are going through this, that you are still active today, just as you were thousands of years ago. And we just thank you for it. In your name, amen and amen. The title of today is um, The Long Way to My Miracle. The Long Way. This comes from a conversation I had with a friend of mine at a coffee shop, and he made the statement, it seems like everything that I pray for takes forever to get to where it needs to be. Has anybody ever felt like that? Where God's speaking to you, and it just seems like God is taking the long way back to you. In Exodus chapter 14, we see the children of Israel now stuck between the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptians behind them. This is a precarious situation because they have certain death lined up for them. And it gets to a place where they're looking at life going, Moses, there is a quicker way to get us to the land that you promised us. But how many of you understand that just because it is a shorter distance doesn't mean it's always the best route? And today, we're going to be talking about why sometimes God takes the long way to your miracle. Because sometimes in my life, maybe sometimes in your life, Things don't happen like I think they should. They don't happen as quickly as I want them to. And I'm over here wondering, God, did you forget about me? And what have you done in our lives? In Exodus chapter 14, uh, we see Moses. God tells Moses that they should turn away and do this. And I love this because it looks like they're completely confused. So if we're going to make this in in, in a context today, uh, you are a Stanhope High School football team scheduled to play a team that is eight times your ability. So we're going to put them as a division one college school, insert your favorite school. Um, I probably will go with Alabama because they could probably beat Auburn, but we're going to go with Alabama today. Um, and uh, we're going to see what takes place. And here's the plan. Coach gathers you together and goes, here's what we're going to do. Everybody, I want you to get into the huddle. And when we say break, just run around like it's PE football. You ever, remember PE football where everybody did their own routes? They did whatever they wanted to do. And they seemed confused. And no one has a plan. And we're just going to run around in circles. And now what I'm going to do is I, as your coach, I'm going to go over there and tell them our plan. 
and I'm going to tell them that we're just going to run around and do nothing. Go team. This is what it looks like. That God has led them to a place for an army that is trained in battle, trained to do all these despicable things. The Egyptian army at this season of life was the best in the world. And now that they are trapped between a sea and the best military force of that day, and they know exactly where they are. And according to the Egyptians, Moses has no idea what he's doing. He led them to a death trap. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like sometimes that God has led me to a place. You know, the, the, the Proverbs, uh, Psalm says that he leads me and, and sets, uh, prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes I feel like he sets a table and puts an apple in my mouth for the presence of my enemies. And he's roasting me over the fire. Has anybody ever felt like that before? Like you are the meal and God just served you right up to him. And you're doing all the right things. You're saying all the right things. And the bills are piling up and you're doing all the right things. And you're saying all the right things. And the sickness is getting worse. And you're doing all the right things. And you're saying all the right things. And your enemies are getting stronger. Has anybody ever been there? And you're sitting there going, God, what are you doing? Today, we're going to talk about five reasons why God takes the long way. Five reasons why God takes the long way. The first is seen um, in, in the chapter before, Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. And it says this, Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, though it was nearer. In other words, God purposely took them the long way. Why? For God said, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and then return back to Egypt. In the scriptures, uh, the, the Philistines reference not only just a nation that is a fighting force, but spiritually speaking today, we see the Philistines as a representation of our flesh. They had five big cities. These five big cities served different gods. And as we look through what's taken place, and we start breaking it through, I'm going to do a 16-week a, a, a course on the Philistines in 16 seconds, and it comes down to these five cities represent your five senses, your five senses are your flesh, your flesh leads you to what you want, when you want, and how you want it, and it's contrary to the spirits. And here's what takes place in our lives. A lot of times God gives us a promise and tells us where we're going and takes the long way, mainly because at the current moment, Maybe you're not strong enough to kill your flesh like you need to. Maybe you're at a spot when your flesh rises up, God goes, they're going to say no. That when temptation rises up, that when the issues pop up, whatever is resistance, you'll turn away. In other words, God takes the long way around to prepare you for what he's prepared for you. Because it's not just winning a battle, it's inhabiting a land. Being an occupying force for what God has given you. And what that means is that the Philistines for the rest of, each, for the rest of Israel's life are going to constantly rise up and challenge every bit of authority. And isn't that what your flesh do, does? After every victory, after every good thing, your flesh rises up. When you start feeling like you're going the right path, when you feel like God's on your side, your flesh rises up. That person that you go, you know, I haven't dealt with anger in so long. It's been weeks and weeks and weeks. And you're sitting there marveling at your growth. And then somebody cuts you off and you feel the rage. Your flesh wants to rise. 
I've been so good with this. I've been so good with that. And out of nowhere, your temptation level pops. Has that ever happened to anybody else? Where you're doing the right thing, and you feel like you've got victory, and you feel like you overcame whatever situation, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, your flesh rises up. Out of nowhere, the things you thought were dead rise up again. And sometimes, can I tell you, sometimes God sends us into battle to fight. And he's with you. Sometimes God does the fighting for you. And we see that in the scripture too. He tells you to sit back and I'm going to take care of it. And sometimes, can I tell you, God leads you around the fight. Sometimes God takes you on a path because he knows you're not ready yet for fights. Well, I've been, I'm saved and I'm spirit-filled and I've been to church three times this month. I'm ready for every giant. Maybe not. Maybe not. My dad used to tell me that if he was to give me an inheritance of, uh, of a mass sum of money, insert whatever it is, a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever it is, which, he, you know, he's not going to do that. But uh, if he does, that'd be beautiful. Um, but if he gave me two million dollars when I'm 21, can I tell you, I would have had a nice house, I had a nice car, and I had a lot of debt. Because one thing he says is, I love you enough to say no. Parents understand that concept. You love your kids enough to not give them what they ask for when they ask for it. My daughter has a sweet tooth like you've never seen. It's the most incredible thing. The other day she calls me, and yes, sometimes I give them like Pop-Tarts for breakfast, which I know are full of sugar, but she said, hey, Dad. I said, what's up, babe? She goes, can I? It's like 8 a.m. Can I have some breakfast? I'm like, absolutely. What do you want? Cheesecake? Cheesecake. I said, no, you can't have cheesecake. If I eat some bread first, then can I have cheesecake? No, Sister Grace, you can't have cheesecake. It's, not, it's 8 a.m. You can't have cheesecake. <sighs> okay. An hour later. Hey, Dad, it's 9. Can I have cheesecake now? No, Sister, you can't have cheesecake now. It's not because I don't like to see her happy, but sometimes a no is what we actually need in life. And when God takes us the long way, we're sitting there, we're pitching a fit, we're kicking, and we're screaming, God, what about my miracle? God, what about the things I'm praying for? God, what about all these things? And the entire time God's going, I'm telling you no because I love you. The second reason why he does this is sometimes he takes us the long way to confirm his will in our lives. Exodus chapter 13 verse 21 says this, he confirms that his, his presence to lead us. Exodus 21 says, 13, 21 says this. And the Lord went and eat them at the edge. And the Lord went before them and the, by day in the pillar of cloud to lead the way. And by night in the pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and to go by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the fire by night from before his people. God leads us along the long way to show us that he's never going to forsake. He constantly takes us the long way around because the long road trip builds healthy relationships sometimes. And sometimes it makes you want to smother your kids. All my parents I say amen to that one. I'll never forget making long road trips with my mom. We would drive from here down to Fort Myers, Florida. Um, some of my biggest memories was either in the celebrity station wagon or she had a Dodge Grand Caravan, um, and what she would do is in the caravan, she would take out the two back seats, and this is before we cared about our kids, and, and put a mattress in the back and just go, just lay back there. Just no seat belts, 
Nothing, just, just, we're going to go 80 miles an hour. We die, we die. You know, be with the Lord. And, uh, and so, like, you know, we would just go, and that's what we would do. And I remember just having these road trips with my mom, and I would be so excited, just as excited to be in the car with my mom as I would be getting to our destination. We'd play the ABC game. We'd play I Spy. We'd play numbers games. She'd sing songs. Back then, we'd rock out to Petra. Do you remember Petra? Oh, yeah. We'd do our thing. Mom was a gangster back in the day. And so what you would do is that you'd have these road trips, and they have bonded me with the idea of being on the road so much because the journey with my mom, to me, was just as memorable, if not more, than when we actually got to the destination. Can I tell you, God is looking not to get you from point A to point B, but he's looking to get your heart to connect to his heart. The mission of God's heart is not to get you from one thing to another thing. The mission of God's heart is to connect you to him. He's constantly wanting to connect to his people. He's constantly wanting to have a relationship with his people. And the long way around sometimes allows that connectivity point to take place, especially after miracle, after miracle, after miracle. And we talk about our testimonies, and we talk about the things that God has done for us. But can I tell you, if you woke up one morning needing a miracle, and you prayed, and you got the miracle, and you move on, there's not the connection point in the middle. The second reason why he takes us in a lot of ways is because he wants to connect with us. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, Oh Lord, I know it is not within us the power of man to map his plans to get to where he needs to go. You don't have it within yourselves to get to where you need to be. Men think about the ideas. Men hope to get to where they want to go, but they have no idea on how to do it. It's like my son who decides to go and build a tree fort because he's got some nails, a hammer, and some wood. But he has no idea how to actually build it to be safe. And this is how we do our lives, is we have an idea when we've got energy and we just go. But God wants to ordain your footsteps to get to where you need to be. Proverbs 16.9 says this, that we make our own plans but the Lord the Lord decides where we're going to go. Can I tell you one reason why he does this is because he can see ahead of you. He sees before you. He took them the long way because he could see the Philistines. He could understand what's going on. I know pastors talked about this story before, uh, but there was those moments where I wanted to go to Six Flags with some friends, and he had the foresight to see that something wasn't right, and he would say no, and I would pitch a fit, and he would say no, not because I was in trouble, and not because I did anything wrong, but something inside said no, because God could see down the road that I could not see. And when you feel that check in your spirit, and you go, God, that doesn't make sense, what he's saying is, I see the potholes that you don't see. When I like make trips, I like to use Waze. Maybe you use Apple Maps or Google Maps. And you love it when it tells you, Boop, traffic ahead, take alternate route. It sees before you. It goes before you to prepare a way that may be longer in miles, but quicker in time. And that's what God's trying to do to you today, is he's taking you on a journey because he sees things that you don't see. He provided the fire. He provided the clouds. He provided the manna. And he provided the quail. He's going to provide for you in this trip. I don't know what your journey is going to look like, but I know that he's going to provide. And like any good parent, when you're making a long trip to the beach, when you're going to the lake, when you're doing whatever it is, this Independence Day, and you're going to have a lot of fun, most of us will do our best to have foresight about what we're going to need. We're not just going to hop in the car and drive to the beach and go, anybody got a bathing suit? 
maybe we should get something to eat or drink. Or, Man, I'm really hot. Maybe we should get some sunscreen. No, we sit there and we go, if we're going to get from Millbrook to the beach, this is what we're going to need. We're going to need sunscreen. We're going to need bathing suits. We're going to need some towels. We're going to need some food. We're going to need some supplies. We're gonna, we're gonna, we start mapping it out. In other words, we prepare ourselves for a journey, anticipating the needs that we're going to have. And God does the same for you. He sees the journey before you, and he anticipates every need that you're going to have before you even say yes to the journey. Here's what's great. I don't know when he provided the manna and the quail, specifically the quail. I don't know if he just manifested birds in that moment, made a couple of million birds and just dropped them out of the sky, or he prepared them to start sending the birds from the four corners of the earth in advance, weeks and months in advance, to be at that spot when he wanted them. Either way, he prepared a way. He's always preparing a way for you. And he's always preparing a spot just for you. The third reason why we do this is that it was confirmation to Moses. Exodus chapter 3. This is the beginning of Moses' uh, Moses's, uh, leadership. And Exodus 3 is a really cool verse that we kind of blow past. Exodus 3.12, it says, So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you, Moses, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. In Exodus 24, sorry, I'm being a nerd real quick. Exodus 24, we see that God connects his people to that mountain again. <clears throat> see, we have this picture that God's taken us from point A to point B. But typically, a lot of times, and you can see this in the book of Matthew with some of the writing styles of the uh, of the authors of the Bible is that sometimes it's linear and it's just like Acts is a story upon story and we get to where we need to be. But like the book of Acts, the book of, uh, the book of Matthew, the book of uh, Exodus, it has a cool setting where it has a upside down V, right? Where he starts here, he builds up, and he comes back down to the exact same spot where he began. Like any good movie you watch sometimes, they'll have this uh, five years down the road kind of thing. They let you know where we're going to go, and then it backs up, and then it leads you to that place. This is exactly what God did in Exodus 3. It's, he's telling Moses, I'm going to bring the story back around to this point. In Exodus 24, he brings the story back. Moses, I'm going to have confirmation for you that one day you will be in this exact same spot, but you won't be alone this time. There'll be millions following with you, and they're all going to witness what's taking place. Can I tell you, your journey to the long way is just as much about building you up in your faith as it is anything else. Because God's going to look at you and say, I'm going to bring you back. One thing that's interesting is that God typically doesn't say, I'm going to start you here and you're going to end all the way over there. But one thing that I've realized in people's walks and listen to their testimony is that God seems to take them a long way around and they loop back into the same orbit from where they used to be and they compare themselves to where they were and they go, my God, look at the growth. That hasn't happened to anybody. Well, you walk back through and you're like, man, I don't feel like I'm growing anywhere. I don't feel like I'm doing anything from God. And then somebody in your past will go, <laughs> I remember that person. I remember who I used to be. Look how far God has taken me on this journey. The confirmation isn't always raising the dead. It's moving you in the right direction. And the beautiful part about the path that God takes us is that sometimes it's a circular path to bring us back to where we began to show the faithfulness and the goodness of God. He took them on the long way around also to prove to Moses who Moses was called to be. God takes you on a journey 
and speaks who you're supposed to be, and he'll bring you right back to where it's going to be. For the Israelites, they were walking for forever. But for Moses, it was confirmation. Everybody else was just walking. They had no idea what they were doing. While we're walking in this direction. And the entire time, Moses is like, I remember that rock. I remember that tree. I have all these people that are walking with me. And every step he would take would build his faith and relationship with God. Because every step that you take towards your promise and you start seeing it fulfilled, small steps, one step after another step, it builds you to start moving faster and faster and faster. And God grant, takes us on a journey where we often uses the gifts of seeing where we used to be to where we are today. Last week, I made fun of Dave Gitchell and his awesome biceps. But we went and worked out the other day. I think it was Thursday. And it was interesting because we track our progress. And we have this machine that he absolutely despises with all of his heart, soul, and strength. This is a specific exercise, and I didn't tell him we were going to do it. In fact, I made sure to not tell him what the workout was. And so we, at this moment, we have already done six different exercises. And each exercise consisted of four rounds of 12 reps. So by the end of all of these, muscularly, he, he's done. His body is shot. And I look at him and I go, hey, bud, great workout. He goes, so we're done? I said, no, 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 we got one more thing to do. And he goes, okay, great. So we're walking through the gym like we're heading back. And he's just chipper because it's going to be an easy workout. And I pause at the devil machine and I watched his hope fail him. I watched him just look at me with the disgust of, I hate you, Pete. In fact, I think he said, I hate you, Pete. So we start working on that. We're going we're gonna to do this. So we did one round, two rounds, three rounds. We done? Ah, not yet. We're going we're gonna to readjust on the same machine. I hate you, Pete. Like I know you do, Dave. So in the third round, what I just, the next set, I said, here's what we're going to do is every time we do a, a set, we're going to make the weights worse. What do you think he said? I hate you, Pete. So we do it. One, two, three, hit his 12. He looks at me. I move the bar. And then I move the bar again. And on his third time, I look at him. We're doing, we're doing a, uh, he was doing assisted dips. So the idea for these, the, the dip machine here is that it takes your weight off. So with most machines, when you're adding weights, it makes it harder. On this machine, it counters out how much you weigh. So if you weigh uh, 100 pounds, and you can't do a, your, your full body dips, and you put it on 50, it cuts your weight in half, makes it easier for you. And so every time I move it, it's adding more of his body weight to the dip machine. So on the last one, I just pull the pin and drop it. I'm like, you're going to do it all by yourself now. He laughs. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. I said, I, I believe in you. Honestly, I didn't believe in you. But I, I, I just, I wanted to see. I wanted to see. You know what I watched Dave do? I watched Dave struggle on the first set of all of those weights. And at the end of it all, he comes to this last thing, and he's just popping them out with no assistance at all. Now, the problem, the, the reality is, is that the Dave, six weeks ago when we started, there was no way that would have happened. But you watched in that moment that, oh my gosh, I can do this light bulb click. 
because he started at one spot where he couldn't do it. We've worked around this whole mountain for six weeks, and we come back to where we first started again, and he saw his progress. God is confirming in you, just like he would do any kind of muscle growth, where you don't walk in, and you work out one time, and you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, because what happens is, is it's the small growth. It's the small tears, and it's the small builds. It's the small tears, and the small builds, and they get back stronger and stronger. And you don't wake up one day as a Hulk. You don't wake up one day as a supermodel body. What you do is you make small steps. And, you, and I watched in that moment where Dave realized his growth rate has, has increased. And that's what God's doing in your life on a regular basis. Number four, one of my favorite reasons why God takes the long way. Definitely one of my favorite reasons. It's found in, in Genesis chapter 15. This is great. This is the God of the Bible we don't like to talk about. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13, it says this. Then God said to Abraham, Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years and also the nation whom they serve. I will judge afterwards and they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generations, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Fourth reason why God does this, and this is going to be like an A and B, is he likes to punish the enemies. Sometimes God takes you the long way around, not only for your personal growth in relationship with God, not only for you to have confirmation, not only for you to, to see his plans, but so also he's bringing judgment on the enemy that's against you. He takes you the long way because he's going to put the enemy to test. See, can I tell you, God is not always testing you. It's not always against you. Sometimes God's moving you to a place to punish the enemy. He's putting you in position to punish the enemy. God, why are you doing this? Why is this taking so long? How come I can't see what I want to see? And we're, woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. But if God told you in advance, this isn't about hurting you, it's about hurting him. I'm taking you the long way around because I'm going to punish the devil for what he's done to you for all of these years. Second part of this, part B, your journey is not always about you. You may be fulfilling a promise that God made to your great, 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 grandfather. He told Abram, for 400 years this is going to happen, and then I'm going to take him on a journey. Isn't it great to know that God fulfills the promises that he's made generations before you? You don't know what generations before you have been praying and seeking for. You don't know about the move of God that people have been praying for you about before you were even in the, an idea in your grandparents' mind. God had a plan. He made promises. He's made, he's made covenants. He has done things through generations. And you are fulfilling promises that he has made back then. We look at people like Solomon and think about how amazing Solomon was. Solomon was the product of God's covenant with David. He made a promise to David, and Solomon reaps the benefits. 
God's made promises to your grandparents, to your great-grandparents, to your great-great-great-great-grandparents, and sometimes you're fulfilling things and you're walking through blessings now that you didn't deserve because God promised them because he fulfills his word. And here's the beautiful part about God fulfilling his word. He blesses you at the exact same time he punishes the enemy. He blesses you while he punishes the enemy. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to bless you while I, while, I, while I punish him. And this is the beautiful part. Is this the grandeur of the journey. If I was to sail here and take a, a, a rope and, and lay it across this, this uh, platform here and tell you that after service, I'm going to tightrope walk from, from, the, uh, from the stage to the first row. You'd be like, okay, cool. Good for you, Pete. But if I said, hey, after service, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tightrope from the top of the sanctuary to the top of the gymnasium. That's pretty impressive. Some of you guys may stay for that one. But what if I said, I'm going to tightrope from the top of the sanctuary to the gymnasium, pushing a wheelbarrow. I like where your head's at. I'm going to go up again. I'm going to tightrope from the gym and the sanctuary, pushing a wheelbarrow with Christine in it. Let me, let me amp it up again. Christine, I got your back. It's your birthday. So I'm going to tie rope from the gym to the sanctuary, pushing a wheelbarrow with Christine in it, blindfolded backwards. People are going to stay for two reasons. A, I want to see him do it. B, it's a show either way. If I make it or not, it's going to be quite the show. Because can I tell you what happens is that the greater the challenge, the greater the glory. Sometimes God takes you the long way to prove how great he really is. He's going to show you that he can do impossible things from splitting the seas and letting you walk on dry lands to, to causing water out of a rock to bring you manna, to bring you quail, to having a fire at nighttime and a cloud by the daytime, to doing whatever he wants to whenever he wants to because the bigger the challenge, the greater the glory. And God right now is constantly moving you from one place to another because he's going to show you how powerful he really is. One of the greatest things that he does is he makes a promise and fulfills it 400 years later. Think about that. Five, last but not least, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 8. <clears throat> Verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness, fun word here, to humble you, test you, to know what was in your heart. It's not always fun, but a lot of times our journey is a humbling experience. What humility does is it's not meant to embarrass you, it's meant to connect you to your source. Humility is not shame. Shame does not equal humility either. Getting up and being an embarrassment doesn't mean, oh, that's a humble person. No. What true humility is in this context is a person that knows where his source comes from. Humility is not about being embarrassed. Oh, that person ate some humble pie. No. 
That's not what God was doing here. He didn't want to look at the children of Israel and be like, you know what I want to do? I want to embarrass you. 400 years of being a slave wasn't enough. But that's our mindset. Think about that. How much more embarrassing could it have been for them? They were in captivity, beaten and executed on a regular basis. So now they're free walking through a wilderness. I don't feel like that's worse than being a slave. But what God does is he humbles us in the context of this, making us reliant on him. See, we have to remove this idea that we're going to go on a journey going to be embarrassing, and God's going to humiliate me in front of everybody for his glory. It's not what he's trying to do. God doesn't get excited that his kids are mortified at his presence. I was talking to uh, Jessica, we were talking about back in the day we used to go to church, and, and we'd have a prophet come into town, and our youth leader at the time told us, hey, 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 get your lives together, because the prophet's coming, and they're going to call you out from stage. Why would they do that? It's going to humble you. I'm a teenage boy. It's not that hard to figure out what I'm struggling with. And I'm sitting there going, this is going to be fantastic. I was scared to go to church. All on the way, driving my S10 pickup truck. I'm praying in tongues, asking for forgiveness of things I haven't even done. Just on the off chance, he or she calls me out in front of everybody. And I thought that was giving God glory. I'm going to embarrass a 16-year-old boy in front of what was it, like 700 people at our church at the time? I'm going to embarrass him. It's going to make him come to the cross. It's going to make me run from the cross. Are you kidding me? I'm not gonna, I, next time the prophet comes to church, I'm going to be sick. By choice or whatever, it's, it's happening. Can't call me out if I'm not there. But that's the idea that we have that God's going to do. is going to go on a journey. God's going to humiliate me for his glory. That's not it. He humbles you to rely. That's how Moses can easily say, I'm the most humble man ever. That doesn't sound very humble. For me to get up and go, I'm the most humble man you've ever met, you'd look at me and be like, I got full of pride. But what Moses did is he realized, I'm humble because I am nothing without him. The moment he leaves me, I become nothingness. The moment he is no longer needing me, I am a nothing without my God. That's what humility is, is realizing who I really am. I am nothing without Christ. It doesn't put me down. I'm not saying I'm dirt. I'm not saying I'm a worthless, a worthless person. What I'm saying is I can do nothing without my God. That's what humility does. He's taking them on a journey so that they can have a foundation for generations to come of going, who do we go back to? Who is our source? How do we connect? Because he did it for a great, 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 great grandfather, he'll do it for me today. God is a God of generations. And when he humbles one generation, it creates a story that they can rely, that God provided, and he'll provide now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to land this plane. What God does here is that there is nothing that has come before you that hasn't already existed. Can I encourage you? You're on a journey, and God has prepared it. He's not only prepared a way with all the provisions that you will need, He's not only prepared a way that He's going to go with you, but He's also prepared a way that there's people in this very room that have been on a very similar journey that you're walking through right now that you can connect with and go, how did you persevere? How did you make it? Because people have gone before you. 
The Bible says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses rooting us on. There are people that have gone before you. You are not the only person who has struggled with what you're struggling with. You can seek out. You can go to your pastors. You can go to a small group leader. You can go to whatever it is and say, I'm struggling with these things. Talk us through it. And I guarantee you they've got a story that's similar to where you are today. The second great thing about this whole thing is this, is that God is continually faithful. He's faithful and just to get you to where he's called you to be. He doesn't leave you. He he doesn't forsake you. And he never, number three, never allows you to be tempted or to to deal with struggles more than he knows you can bear. He took the Israelites a long way around because they couldn't bear it. And if you're going the long way around of something and you're wondering why it's taking so long, just be excited that God knew in advance what you were going to go through. And he said, hey, I'm going to protect them through the process. When it comes to a miracle, can I tell you, sometimes God does some dynamic things in your life. And I'm not talking about dealing with a headache or a sickness in your body. We rebuke those things and we take care of it. But there are areas of our, of our soul, there are dreams, there are visions, there are whatever it is that God has placed inside of you that you know it will take a miracle of God to get, to that thing, to, to get for that thing to be fulfilled. And it's the process sometimes that connects us. He loves you. He's rooting for you. He will see it through. And I promise you above all else that he's never, ever going to leave you high and dry. He didn't take you out there to kill you. He hasn't led you this far to leave you. He's going to see it to pass. Just don't turn around and go back. That's what we want to do a lot of times. Is we, we have a struggle, we have an issue, and then we get into our heads and go, it was better back there. Maybe we should go back. Maybe we should go back to Egypt and beg them to make us slaves again because being in captivity and having everybody else tell us who we are and what to do and how to do it and when to do it was easier than growing with God. And that's a sad state for many believers. Is that instead of us learning how to be men and women of God, kingdom thinkers, (laughs) we would much rather go back to the easy road and go back to who we used to be. Because at least then, somebody else told us what to do. I'll go back to performance. I'll go back to the struggles. I'll go back to all of these things. Because this is hard, learning how to grow with God. It's difficult. I promise you, no matter how difficult it is today, it was worse back then. But the enemy wants to glorify the past, call you back to who you used to be, and the entire time God's constantly leading you to a land, and to a person that he's called you to be. Stick with the process. It'll be worth it, I promise. I loved Pastor's um, offering today, and uh, I'm excited that this fall um, he's going to be doing a small group over finances that everybody needs to be a part of. He's just finding this out. But it's going to be an incredible group. I'm signing up for it. We've talked about it before, but I feel like, I really do. I feel like this next season of life, this is going to be important for many of us to, to walk through it. And can I tell you, this is for all people. He's made, it, he's made it known. This isn't for people who are just doing great financially. But if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're struggling, he's got the keys. He's walked this journey out. If God's made a promise to you that you're going to see a land of, of prosperity and you're stuck in the process, see this man. See this man. Join his small group. It's going to be an incredible opportunity for you to continue to talk through the process and see the, 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 the promises come to pass. 
I'm excited about it. It's just an easy example for how you get plugged in to what's going on in God's Word. Amen? Well, God, we thank you for the day. We thank you for this day of independence that we're going to be celebrating tomorrow, for the nation that you provided for us to live in. God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for where you've placed us. And I thank you that today, as we celebrate the independence of a nation, God, that even tomorrow we, we celebrate the independence of, of, of the freedoms that you've given us, not only as a nation, but as a people, setting us free from the bondage, the slavery of sickness, of death, of sin, of hell, and God, letting us be uh, completely liberated from all of the issues of life and following you on this process of freedom. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.